Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Harmonious World. I'm Hilary Robertson and for this latest episode I'm joined by Craig Urquhart who is a composer and pianist based in Berlin and he works frequently with Garrett Keast who I interviewed a couple of episodes back. Dreams Remembered is Craig's 12th album of original solo piano compositions all written and performed by him. Craig worked for many years with Leonard Bernstein. Bernstein said, Craig's tonal approach is not merely sincere, but generally moving with a private beauty of its own. So I'm looking forward to discussing Dreams Remembered with Craig, and I hope you enjoy listening to the conversation. Welcome to Craig Urquhart, my guest this week on Harmonious World. Thank you for joining me, Craig. Well, thank you very much, Hilary. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yes. That's all right. I'm loving Dreams Remembered. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. It's very close to my heart, and I'm very, very happy with it, yes. This one I wrote last year during um, another year of difficulties in COVID, and it was just a really lovely journey to be on when I was writing it, yes. Yes, um, I'm always interested, especially with solo pieces like this, but but pieces penned by the composer and performed by a composer, whether it's with other people or not, about where the titles come from and whether the titles come first or whether the music comes first and then the title comes around it or how, how does that happen with you? Well, for me, I think the hardest and most difficult uh, aspect of putting an album together and composing a piece of music is the title. The title always comes last for me because uh, I've written almost 200 pieces of music. It's very hard to think of titles, but it's the music that inspires the titles for me. I, I'm particularly fascinated by ballooning. Was that a reference, the, the, the first track on the album, is that a reference to you know, going up in a hot air balloon or, or a handheld balloon? No, it's absolutely about being up in a hot air balloon. I've had that experience twice in my life and well, three times in my life, but two that were extremely memorable. One was in Begon, Myanmar, and we ballooned over the temples of Begon and it was unbelievable experience. And the second ballooning experience I had was in Kenya, ballooning over the Masamare and watching the wildlife and the nature below me just unfolding. And it was exhilarating. And And that piece of music sort of, that's what it reminded me of. Right. And this this album is all about sort of dreams and you talk about dreams from the past, dreams of the future, dreams of today, of the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a particularly beautiful one, I think, because obviously last year, none of us was able to, even if you know, we'd wanted to, we couldn't have gone ballooning. Uh, it just wasn't, there were, there were lots of things like that that were, were denied us because of the lockdown. Um, so it's lovely to have memories that express themselves like that. And I think that there's something about the music that is does feel very up in the air in a good way. Yeah. And it's also, you know, those were two experiences in my life 
that I could only have dreamed about when I was younger. I never believed that those dreams would come true. Right. And they did. And it's fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. 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 Um, so how did you go about recording this album? And when was it recorded? It was recorded in November. And like I do all of my recordings, I do it on my own piano. I have, a, you can see it behind me. I have a beautiful Bösendorfer, which was Leonard Bernstein's piano when he would rehearse with the Vienna Philharmonic. And it was always in his hotel room in Vienna because I did work with Bernstein many, many years ago. And it's a gorgeous instrument. And I like recording on it because it's, it's very personal. And with the technology we have today and the wonderful engineers I work with, we can do a beautiful recording in my studio, in my living room. And it's very personal. It feels like I'm inviting the listener into my home to listen to me one-on-one. -on -one. And, I, and I just love this process. And that's exactly what it sounds like. It, it sounds like you're playing that for me. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. So that actual piano that I'm looking at right now was played by Leonard Bernstein. Oh, yes. And it's autographed twice by him. And he dated it the very last day he was in Vienna. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you got to work with him, how that happened. Oh, that story is um, really fun. And when I was very young, when I moved to New York City, when I was 22 years of age, and I just received a master's degree from the University of Michigan. But I wanted to live in New York City, though I'd never been there. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know anybody in the city. But I, I went and I sublet an apartment and everything. And one day I learned where Leonard Bernstein lived. And he lived at a famous building called the Dakota. So I left some of my music with a letter saying, Dear Maestro Bernstein, I've been a fan of yours. You've been an inspiration to me since I was four years old when I watched his first Young People's Concert on television. And here's some of my music, and it would be great if I could meet you. And six weeks later, I got a phone call from his secretary saying the maestro would like you to come to Friday afternoon's dress rehearsal, and you'll be welcome to his conducting box, and someone will meet you backstage take you there and then you'll be brought backstage to meet the maestro. And that's how it all began. Wow. I mean, that's a dream in itself, isn't it? Yeah. And I walked away from that experience thinking that was terrific. Never think I'll meet him again, you know, or see him again. And a few weeks later, I answered an ad in the New York times. We didn't have internet back then to be an assistant to a musical, major musical figure. Didn't mention who it was or anything, but I sent my resume in and I got a phone call from his business manager asking if I'd like to come and interview with the maestro. And I did, and it went very, very well, but I actually felt I wasn't ready to work for the maestro at the time because I'd only been in New York six months and I just, it felt like it would have been too much, but I said, I want to keep the door open and let's see where this goes. So about eight years later, 
after getting to know the maestro better, his family, the business manager, the circle of friends, I started to work for him. And it was a tremendous and rewarding experience, I think, for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And he was and how- very, very important in helping me find my composing voice. And I'd like to bring that up because when I sent him music, I sent him some of the music like I write today, which is tonal, melodic, beautiful, harmonic. And then I sent him some of the academic music that I was taught to write, which was um, like Stockhausen and a 12 tone and all these things that really didn't resonate with my soul. And he asked me, he said, there's two composers here. Only one of them is real. And I said, well, that would be the tonal one. He says, then why aren't you writing that kind of music? You could only be honest as a composer if you write from your heart and from your own soul. You cannot impose other people's voices on yours and be an honest composer. And that gave me the liberation to be who I am as a composer. Wow, that's amazing. Isn't that just that, to be able to have that kind of advice from somebody like Bernstein? It was a tremendous gift, yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. And you've, this is now your 12th album. So you've. The 12th kind of- album of solo piano music. I have another album of my songs with Michael Slattery, who's a world famous tenor. And it's a beautiful album too. So this is my 12th album of solo piano music. Then I did this album of my songs. And then other, other, org- other um, ensembles have recorded my music. Most recently, Berlin Academy of American Music just recorded my lamentation for flute and strings, which is a beautiful recording. And I know you've had them on your show. Yes. And in fact, I started my Garrett Keast um, podcast episode with that because I love that lamentation. That flute piece, it is stunning. Thank you very much. It's a beautiful piece. And it's very close to my heart because it is dedicated to a friend of mine who passed away last year. I was very sad, you know, when people pass away and she was very close to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just a beautiful piece of beautiful, beautiful piece of music. So that's, that's why I was so delighted to have this opportunity to then talk to you. So, so how come you're in Berlin? How have you ended up? So you started in Michigan, you you went to New York. How did you end up in Berlin? Berlin was because of friends. I first started coming to Berlin in 1982. And because a friend of mine from the university I went to school with became a, um, he became a musician of, for the singers at the Deutsche Oper. And I'd never been to Europe. And he said, well, come visit. And he lived around the corner from where I live now. He passed away about two years ago. And that was my first time in Europe and my first time in Berlin. And I just fell in love with Berlin. It was a very different city than it is today because there was a wall around it and everything. But, you know, I'm kind of a geopolitical person and I sort of liked all the politics and the sense of spyness and all that kind of stuff. And, but I also met some really wonderful, wonderful people. 
while I was visiting Berlin. And I started coming back every year. And then when I was working with Bernstein, Bernstein made an, a point of coming and performing on e in East and West Berlin every time, every year. And it was a wonderful experience. And that culminated in his famous Freiheit concert on Christmas Day in 1989. And then after the wall came down, I kept coming back. And then I'd been living in New York for uh, over 40 years and I was tired. <laughs> and so I just decided I needed a new beginning. And I looked at Berlin and I started living in Berlin and New York and going back and forth. And then about probably four years ago, I decided that it was time to give up New York because it didn't resonate with me anymore. And I love my friends in New York, but the environment isn't for me. I love living in Berlin. I just think it's an easier place to live. And I like the closeness to European cities and being able to travel very easily within the continent of Europe. And then there's the culture in this city. I mean, we have five great orchestras, three great opera houses, all these creative painters and writers and actors and musicians. And it's just so inspiring to be here. And people appreciate it. It's, it's people appreciate art and they're not snobby about it. They're willing to listen to anything. And I found a real audience and a real voice from real audience an acceptive audience for my music because they get it. You know, I'm performed on the radio Brandenburg Berlin which I could never get on a New York public radio station with my music. It wasn't classical enough or something. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think Americans seem to like to put things in boxes much more than Europeans. I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very jealous because I, well, for start, because I love Berlin, but also because that proximity to your other European cities and states and and things is something that we love and of course it's been made much more difficult for us because of because of brexit you know so yes we i mean in some ways we haven't yet really experienced the difficulty of it because of lockdown so yeah. we'll have to wait and see how that pans out so mm -hmm. how was your lockdown how did it because obviously as a composer you're quite used to being inside and you know isolated and working on your own I guess so how how did lockdown hit for you lockdown hit it gave me more time to compose and to reflect and I'm fortunate to live in a beautiful apartment and in a beautiful neighborhood and I have an outdoor terrace so it was able to go outside but I am a very social person and I love being with people. So it was, a, it was a change for me to have so much time on my hands, but it was also a great blessing because I've been very productive and reflective. And, you know, and during this time, you, I've been able to reflect on what is important, more important in my life and you know, friends, family, my creative process, my 
ability to create beautiful music and touch people. And that is, a, for me, that's a tremendous gift. And it gave me more time to honor that. So yeah. that's what I liked about, I mean, liked about it, but it was, it was how I made the best of it. Right. So where can people get hold of a copy of this? Well, you know, it's a new world and most people don't buy CDs, but it is available through Amazon and CD Baby. It's on every platform in the world, every paid platform globally, you know, Spotify, Amazon Music, um, Apple Music, Deezer. If somebody wants to get the physical CD, they can write to me at Craig at CraigUrquhart.com and we can work that out. There is still something great about holding a copy of a CD. Oh, I agree with you. It's like reading a book. You know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, I love the music on this album. And, um, you know, I, one of my favorites is Degas Dancers. It's just... I don't know where that came from, but it does remind me of ballerinas. And it's just, that's how it came to me. Absolutely. And I think the two that we've talked about are my favorite. So Ballooning, which I love, and Degas Dancers is, it's, there's something sprightly about it. Yes, there is. You can just see them twirling and in their little dance studios and their tutus and having a good time. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me, Craig. I really appreciate your time. Well, I hope this was of help. And um, I really appreciated being on the show with you. And I really thank you. And I'm really glad you like my music. And there'll be more to come in the future. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Craig Urquhart. And his album is called Dreams Remembered. At the start of this podcast, you heard ballooning, which we talked about. And now this is Degas Dancers. Please do rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, as it helps other people find me. You can also connect with me on social media, and Craig's contact details are in the show notes too. Don't forget, you can also buy me a coffee by clicking on the link at the bottom of the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me once more for Harmonious World. It's been really good to talk to some of my listeners in person in the last couple of weeks. Thank you once more for joining me on Harmonious World.
Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook and it's a great delight to bring this series of discussions with musicians and composers and writers and all sorts of people to you. Obviously, there's no point in having a podcast if people aren't listening and I'm very grateful to my listeners for doing so. Thanks also to Joe English for composing and performing this new theme tune. So wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. You can share this with your friends and family, either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing. I'd be really grateful for that. Don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week and please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World.